Welcome to Maker Mom, a podcast where I explore the stories of Maker Moms and the life they lead. Each week, I will bring you the behind the scenes story of a new Maker Mom. I'm Katie Freeman, a furniture designer and content creator running FreemanFurnishings.com and your host of the Maker Mom podcast. You can find Maker Moms hanging out in the Facebook community at Maker Moms and on the web at MakerMomPodcast.com. If you love what you hear, please subscribe, leave a stellar review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know. Hello and welcome to episode 94 of the Maker Mom podcast. Today's guest is Tanda of at Tanda Madison on Instagram. Tanda is probably the first maker mom that I've had on um, that, you know, really isn't in the solely in the woodworking or the metalworking aspect. Uh, she brings to the table also quite a bit of electronic uh, electronics and computer experience. So it's kind of fun to chat with her about just how she got into all of that. And I think you'll enjoy the interview just as much as I enjoyed chatting with Tanda. But before we get in to the episode, I want to give a big shout out and thank you to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Bonnie, Tool Mom Bonnie, Laura, Oakley Soap Company, Mary Lou, Made by Mary Lou, Dan and Kelly, Reclaim Living Store, Amy, Bison Valley Carving, Brandy, Studio Obey, Kathy, One Girl and Her Tools, and last but not least, Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Oh, and Ellen, A Little Bear Furniture. Can't forget Ellen. Thank you all so very much for being a continued supporter of the podcast on an ongoing monthly basis. Uh, love you all. Appreciate your support so very much. And make sure you hang around to the end of the podcast so you can learn more about how you can support the podcast if you're enjoying it as well. All right, with no further ado, here is Tanda. So Tanda, I always have guests introduce themselves on the podcast. I'm going to let you give a little introduction about yourself. Ooh, okay. Um, my name is Tanda. My name is Tanda Hedrick. A lot of people think my name is Tanda Madison, but Madison's actually my middle name. Um, but on social media, for whatever reason, I've always just put Tanda Madison. Mm -hmm. And I've been making things my whole life, uh, kind of been my escape and, and where I could just go off and, and be me. And uh, I, I went off to college and, and got a degree in computer science, but then have always made stuff on the side as well, just with my hands and always was more interested in the you know, blinking lights and moving motors and kind of the maker side of it rather than just, uh, you know, coding and looking mm -hmm. at something on the screen. So okay. All right. kind, awesome. of, kind of briefly what, uh, what drew me to the maker community. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, before we kind of maybe get totally into that, let's talk a little bit about your uh, childhood. Where'd you grow up? Um, what kind of things were you interested in? It sounds like making probably as a kid, but um, what kind of things were you interested in? Yeah, I grew up in a small town in northern New Mexico. And uh, 
uh, as I said, making was kind of my escape. My mother passed away when I was eight years old. And it was, uh, and I have two older sisters, but they are eight and nine years older than me. So they were almost ready to get out of the house. And they, one of them got married right out of high school. And uh, the other one was their local for a short time and then moved away. So it was pretty much just myself and my dad. And if I wasn't in school, I was going to work with him. He worked in the oil field and, or I, we had an excavation business on the side and he was kind of a workaholic. And so I was either working with him or home alone. And if I was home alone, I was probably out in the shop um, taking something apart, um, making something. I would just go out there and, and sit there until I, you know, something hit me or I saw something that I wanted to, to do or, or take apart. Uh, and so I, that was kind of my playground was mm -hmm. my dad's shop growing up. And then I also um, just spent a lot of time with him. And then I learned a lot, you know, just going to work with him. I, Osho would probably have a cow these days, but he would, he would go check in at, at, in his office and he worked out in the field. And then, so then he would swing back by the house and I would jump in the truck with him and, and we would go out and work in the oil field all day. And then he would kind of kick me out at the house as he went back to check in at the office and, and I think everyone knew and kind of looked the other way because they knew our situation. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, um, was he doing like mechanical work then, like out in the oil fields that you were kind of like learning that part of it or? Um... Yeah, when I was, um, when I was that age, he was a production technician, which meant that he was out uh, servicing equipment that sat on a well location. Okay. So that might be a pump jack or a separator or dehydrator or meter mm -hmm. house, you know, equipment, anything that was out on a location in the oil field. And so we were usually remote out in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just, just the two of us, or maybe one other person would, would meet us. And uh, so it was, uh, it, it was good that he was able to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So otherwise I probably would have, blown more things up <laughs> um so is that do you think like there that's some of your drive to i guess the more mechanical aspects of of the work you do now is just that early introduction to it yeah definitely i mean we were always and you know a lot of things like uh you know hiring a a plumber or doing that sort of thing, I didn't realize until I was probably in my well into my teens that there were people out there you could call and have them come work on your house or or something. We just always did it ourselves and uh, and so I grew up you know adding on to the house uh, working on as I mentioned, we had uh, a backhoe and a bulldozer, and so he for a lot of that time, he worked four 10 hour days mm -hmm. for the oil and gas company. And then uh, on Friday, Saturday and Sunday, we would go off and, you know, dig water lines and septic tanks and basements. And, and as soon as I was old enough, um, if both tractors were involved, if we were digging a basement or something, he would run the backhoe and I would run the bulldozer. And, and so I was doing that probably by the time I was, 
11, 12 mm-hmm. years old. And, uh, and so it was very hands-on and he was a tinker. And so we had welder and, mm-hmm. and, you know, hand tools and stuff, nothing, not a, not a machine shop or anything, but we had, you know, all of the typical hand tools and, and we did have uh, some welding equipment. So for working on and fixing the tractors. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you said you went to school, you said uh computer um engineering. Yeah. Okay. Uh yeah, is that right software. out of right out of high school or um later on that you went into that? It was right out of high school. I was um I was also very interested in electronics and so I had some little electronics kits uh, back in the day you could get these kits with little springs on them and you would put the wires under the springs and mm-hmm. make little circuits and and then I got a um I bought a computer from the back of a magazine a kit a Timex Sinclair and I had built that when I was I don't know I was probably in junior high sometime in junior high and uh so computers were kind of the thing to be making kind mm-hmm. of when I was coming of age and in high school. And I sold that to my high school English teacher and I got an Apple II computer and the school offered computer science for the first time um, as, a, as a class that you could go take before school. And so I was just into computers because they were, you know, the thing to tinker with and make mm-hmm. when I, and, uh, I probably would have gone to some kind of trade school um, for electronics or something along those lines. Um, but by the time I had graduated high school, my dad had remarried and my stepmom was real intent on me going to college. And so I went to a you know four-year university mm-hmm. and got a degree in computer science and digital electronics. And so that was kind of... Okay. Um, so did you go then like immediately into kind of the field you're in now, if you, you know, right after that, or was there kind of like a professional period and then deciding that wasn't for you? I, I've only had a, a couple profession, professional periods yes. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in my life. I think partly, um, I, I wanted to kind of control my, my work situation and and so I've always really wanted to be an entrepreneur or have my own business. So right after I graduated, I went to work for a small software company um, and worked for them for maybe a year and a half. And they started having financial problems and couldn't pay me and, and eventually went bankrupt. And I had started a college when I, or I had started a business when I was a junior in college um, building computer lab equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just fell back onto that business name and started building computers and for local computer companies um, under that business name. And I did that for um, a couple couple years. And then we had kids and so we were... Um, looking for a real job or something that was <laughs> steady. And uh-huh. so I went to work for a company as a, a systems engineer for uh, about two years. 
and kind of saved up and was eager to get back out on my own again. And so then I started the business I have today and uh, doing embedded electronic stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that was my business for many years until maybe 2000, I guess it was 2010. And I lost a couple really big customers and it was kind of, 2008 was yeah. tough and I had a couple customers offshore and, and so I went to work for, as an electrical engineer for a local company and uh, that lasted for about uh, nearly five years. I traveled all over the world fixing stuff and, and installing equipment mm-hmm. for them and, and, uh, and then wanted to get back out on my own again. And so um, they kind of made that decision for me. I had told my boss I was thinking about going back out on my own. And, and then the next round of layoffs during a corporate buyout, um, I got laid off. And so, mm-hmm. um, but that was fine. I had already leased a shop and had bought some more equipment and had mm-hmm. really gotten back into doing more of the machining and stuff. So it was, uh, so most of my career I've, I've worked for myself. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. Um, do you think, was that ever scary for you, I guess, would be the question I want to ask. Like, was it ever scary to know that, like, you know, your income relied on whether you, I guess, quote unquote, succeeded or failed type thing? Failed. Yeah. Um, not until recently. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I've been kind of struggling a little bit lately because I've I've actually cut down my number of customers in hopes of doing some product development of my own products instead of products for other people. Um, but for most of that time, um, I, I think I was really lucky to uh, find a job very quick out of college. And then after I had worked for a couple of years to find that other that next job mm-hmm. um, happened really quick. I just, I went in and I, and I asked who I could give a resume to. And the person at the desk said, uh, oh, that would be Jerry. Uh, oh, there he is. Do you want to just talk to him? And I was like, well, I didn't really come prepared to talk to anybody. I was just going <laughs> right. to ask what, what address I, and who to address a resume to. And then I was going to go off and like type up a resume. Um, and I ended up sitting down with him and for maybe an hour and starting two days later. And, you know, it was kind of the same thing when I got the electrical engineering position. Mm-hmm. And so I always just kind of felt like I could always fall back on my education mm-hmm. and my, and, and get a job. Uh, of course, now at my age and, uh, and having not worked, you know, for someone again for maybe five, seven years again, um, now, now I'm feeling a little more nervous than I ever have in my life about being able to just say, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll just apply a couple places, I'll get a job. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, but things are going okay with the business. Mm-hmm. So, Tanda, can you explain, because like we kind of chatted about when I reached out to you, you know, I, I tend to have more woodworkers than anything else on the podcast. Um but I've always been intrigued by at least what I've seen you post on, you know, social media, um, 
I've been following you for a few years now, but in case others aren't following along with you, can you just maybe kind of explain a little bit like some of the typical type of things you build and make? Oh, I, you know, I don't know that there is a typical <laughs> thing that I, I build or make. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. All the Instagram posts, I just make those up. Those are all photoshopped. Um, the, uh, um, yeah, I really am just, um, I, I've got a fairly broad uh, skill set. And so, um, you know, people will come to me and ask if I can make something and I, I have a problem saying no, that's always been a problem. And so if people say, well, could you try this? I, you know, I'm trying to find someone that will do this for me. And so it could be making urethane molds. It could be welding something or machining something. Uh, it could be, uh, I do very little woodwork, so it's probably easier to say <laughs> what I don't do. Um, but uh, in the spirit of the show, I, mm -hmm. I, I started doing some woodwork last night. Um, <laughs> I, I tell people I'm not a woodworker, but occasionally I work with wood. There you go. Um, but uh, yeah, it's kind of all over the map. Um, and a lot of that is just, I didn't have a lot of money when I had my own business. And if I wanted to make something or I wanted to, you know, I was hired to do a design, I couldn't just outsource it. I couldn't just or I tried to, mm -hmm. and I would go to a machine shop and they would be like, well, it's going to be a thousand dollars to make the, to make the mold or to make this part. Cause it's a one-off part. And for a lot of the equipment, a lot of the tools that I have, I just thought, wow, for that much money, I could buy the tool myself and figure out how to use it. Even if I bought a cheap one, you know, maybe right. I could figure out how to use it. And I think a lot of us kind of did that same thing. It was like either we couldn't afford the things we wanted and we started making them or we couldn't afford, you know, to have someone else do it for us. Mm -hmm. And so we're like, well, my option is to just figure out how to do it myself. And, you know, it's kind of, I think we all have that kind of like, I'll just, I'll try it and see right. what happens. And then if we were, you know, even mildly successful at it, we were like, oh, well, I, you know. I I can actually do this and I don't have to pay someone that thousand dollars. And then maybe three or four or five things in, someone asks you to do it for them. And the next thing you know, you're in business doing this thing that you've done for yourself, but you never thought of doing it as a business. Right. So, so your shop space, you have machine shop space. Um, and then, I mean, would you say you have more, is there one type of thing you enjoy the most? How about that? We'll start, start there. One thing you like to tinker with the most. I think I always keep coming back to kind of the electromechanical, something that involves um, a, a bit of embedded computing with a mechanical aspect, whether that's mm -hmm. a motor or I make the case for it, or I'm making some kind of electromechanical linkage. So it's kind of that area between what we call embedded systems. So basically mm -hmm. something that's running a program, you know, in hardware on a right. device right. and, uh, and then making the associated mechanical stuff. And the mm -hmm. machine shop was very much, 
just like all of the other. It was like, I want to make one-offs of things and experiment. And that's very expensive to hire mm-hmm. a machine shop to do. And so I was just always looking for inexpensive machines. And back when I had my, um, for a long time, I had a parts programming business that kind of evolved out of my electronics interest. And uh, I, I wanted to make some of my own equipment, some of my own fixtures. And, and I bought a inex- really inexpensive milling machine, mm-hmm. had it for years, ended up running out of space and selling it. Uh, but then was always looking for another one and mm-hmm. ended up finding one. Um, it was, it was kind of, uh, felt, felt good because I ended up buying one from the company that laid me off after they got so low, they started liquidating equipment and I ended up mm-hmm. buying their equipment and then selling machining services back to them to pay off, <laughs> to pay off the equipment I had bought from them. So uh-huh. that, that was, uh, um, a bit of revenge, even though there were no, no hard feelings really between myself and them. Yeah, but I, I definitely get that. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, in kind of when we've been walking through like your, your journey in and out of your own business and working for others, um, basically your whole, your kids' childhood all the way through, like they've, seen that right um and picked you know do they have any interest in in tinkering at all uh from you (laughs) Uh, you know they're both um they're both very handy um my younger daughter works at a hardware store she's manager at a hardware store and she's always helping people you know with their problems when they come into the hardware store and uh in fact, she just did a how to change your oil video and posted it. And, uh, and my older daughter is also very handy. Um, a little more, um, you know, scientific and, mm-hmm. and, and not, not so much hands-on, but she can certainly do all of it. And, uh, you know, they kind of grew up around it. I don't think either of them are really entrepreneurial. They, mm-hmm. My younger daughter may be a little more so. But I think sometimes kids, it kind of skips a generation Mm -hmm. because they see, you know, they see you working like 18 hour days and, and not having time off unless you take time off without getting paid because it's your business. And they're like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) And then I think like the grandkids or whatever, you know, by then maybe you've got a stable business and things Mm -hmm. are going really well. And they're like, oh, that's so cool. They get to hang out in the shop and just kind of do their own thing. And, uh, and so I think that, you know, in some respects, I mean, they spent a lot of time at my office when they were in elementary school, their school was right around the corner from my office. And because I had my own business, I dropped them off at school and, Mm -hmm. and I would go pick them up at school. I had a whole room in my office that was, uh, couches and, video games and videos and books and stuff that was kind of their place to hang out at the Mm -hmm. shop but we would be there till you know seven eight o'clock at night sometimes and while they had lots of stuff to do it was kind of like uh we're we're at the you know we're at work (laughs) and they would help me out from a really early age too i have a funny story that a uh a customer came in and this was when i was doing the uh 
um, kind of production programming business. So taking uh, a program and programming it into a chip, packaging it to be put onto mm -hmm. a, a circuit board. And uh, I wanted to visit with the customer. And so he came in with his, um, with his parts that he needed programmed. And I turned to my daughter who was probably, I don't know, 11, 11, 12 years old at the time. And, and said, do you know how to set up the work order? Can you get this going? And, and she takes it and she kind of rolls her eyes. She's like, it's not like I haven't been doing this my whole life. <laughs> and so he's harassed me about my child labor practices ever, <laughs> ever since. since. <laughs> yeah. But she was just like, it's not like I haven't been doing this my whole life. You know, here she is like 11 or 12 years right. old. <laughs> yeah. Um. I think I've seen recently too. So do you get to have uh, your grandkids hang out with you a bit in the shop? Um, actually, I have one grandson okay. who's very young, too young to probably be hanging out in the shop without mom or dad. Mm -hmm. um, but my friend's little boy, who's 12 now, has through the years come and hung out with me at the shop um, off and on, you know, just come and hang out mm -hmm. for a day. He's was really interested in, um, you know, in, in making things as well. And so it's kind of been like if they both had to work and he was out of school because it was parent teacher day or something like that, then he would come hang out with me at the shop. And, you know, he was, he was fascinated with my laser. So for like the first five, 10 visits, we just wanted to cut things on the laser cutter or burn his name into things. Right, or, right. And, uh, and it got to the point where he would, you know, be talking about it to his mom all the way in. I want to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to have Maddie do this. Um, most of the people close to me and family call me Maddie. Um, and, uh, and she said, don't bug Maddie about the laser, you know, when they got there in front of me. And he's like all dejected looking. And I said, uh, oh, well, we'll find something else to do then. Maybe we'll weld. And he just like lit up and was <laughs> like, and now he's like a little pyro. He has to weld every time he comes over or cut something with a cutting torch. So, All right. I'm super excited for this week's sponsor. This week's sponsor is Tool Mom Bonnie or Tool Mom and Company. So Tool Mom and Company is for all ages, genders. Uh, they have what you need for your one-stop tool-related merchandise of gifts or clothing or both. Um, her products are fun, fashionable, one-of-a-kind. And you can check her out at www.toolmomstore.com or find her on Instagram under Tool Mom Bonnie and Bonnie's B-O-N-N-I-E. Uh, you can receive an extra 20% off at checkout by using the coupon code MAKERMOM. So I have two of her mugs. I have one that says, I believe, what is it? Oh my gosh. Um, <clears throat> one is like the definition of a tool woman and the other one is just like a circular saw with flames coming off of it. And I believe it says uh, Go Girl on it, and they're super fun mugs. I, I love drinking coffee out of them in the morning. If it's not out of my Wonder Woman mug, it is out of one of those two mugs. So you definitely should at least check out the mugs, if nothing else. And remember, extra 20% off at checkout by using the code MAKERMOM. All right, thank you, Tool Mom Bonnie, and let's get back to the episode. 
but nice. uh, but in my in my Instagram posts, uh, that's who you who you that see. I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I hope uh, as your grandson gets older that he gets to get some of that experience with you as well. Um, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> do you? It seems like you have somewhat of a passion, kind of for for doing that, for working with kids in that kind of space. Um, do you ever see yourself teaching? Um, yeah, I think I, I would. I teach at our local maker space. Okay. Um, and that's usually adults or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, maybe 18 to 80 year olds. Mm-hmm. And so I teach a few classes or I did until the whole COVID thing um, at the maker space. And, and that's a lot of fun to, mm-hmm. you know, have, you know, see people just, just learning you know, and I teach uh, a couple of machining classes and an Arduino class and um, how to use the circuit board uh, milling machine and stuff. And so that's kind of my outlet for teaching. Mm-hmm. But uh, every once in a while, I kind of toy with the idea of, of getting a teaching certificate and actually teaching high school science or something. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, I, I, I have a hard time not sharing with people i like to um you know i like to help people out and if they are if they're interested you know if they're wanting to learn something and and mm-hmm. i know know about it then i'm like yeah let's go build it let's go do it so i i could see myself doing that have you kind of always been connected in with the maker community or is that like maybe more recently That's very recent Mm-hmm. Um, probably just in the last, uh, couple, couple years, I, uh, you know, I'm not even really sure why I, um, I think I was on Instagram. I saw a couple people on there and I was interested. It was, a, I was looking to kind of make some of my own, uh, products and my own stuff. And so I was kind of just searching around and WorkbenchCon, the first WorkbenchCon, mm-hmm. I happened to catch some notice of it. And uh, so I went to WorkbenchCon to just kind of see what the maker community was about and, you know, who who was there and started following some of the people that they mm-hmm. were promoting or that were going to be the speakers at WorkbenchCon. And uh, I probably would have just sat in a corner Um and just not talk to anybody um, and just kind of observed. Uh, but, uh, you know, shout out to uh, Tom. Uh, I think it's Infinite Craftsman. Mm-hmm. Um, he started going around and saying, oh, you know, Tanda, have you met, you know, Jimmy or have you met? <laughs> right. you know, and, and introducing me. And I was like, oh, you know, I, I didn't, you know, wanna, you know, want to talk to anybody and, and that kind of, broke the ice and I, I started talking to a few people and and ended up having a lot of fun just you know uh, at any of these maker events where you're just like up till two or three in the morning or all night and you've just found people that want to talk about making things and especially with me and uh, now I'm you know live here by myself and uh, so I just talk until I'm I'm hoarse about making things and listen to people and learn things and and so it's great. And and I've just been, you know, kind of staying in touch with the people in the maker Mm -hmm. community ever since then. But it's only been, 
you know, since that first workbench con that I really mm-hmm. got involved. Awesome. Um, you did, obviously, I know COVID's put the kibosh on a lot of things, but was it after that first workbench con that you kind of got into teaching at your local makerspace or um, has that always been a thing? Uh, yeah, I've been at the local makerspace for probably, I think it's been around for about four years, four or five years, Heck, or probably maybe, maybe even longer than that. Um, but the way I got involved with the local makerspace is that it started out at our local community college and the two or three people that were really the, you know, spearheading getting it started somehow found out about me making stuff. And someone said, you should go talk to Tanda. She's like, her shop is like a makerspace. And so they stopped by and I showed them around my shop and my equipment. And they asked a lot of questions about what equipment they should get mm-hmm. for the makerspace. And so I was kind of involved day one. And so when they actually started the makerspace, I you know, showed up day one and, and became a member mm-hmm. initially and just so I could use equipment that I don't have here at my shop, like the plasma mm-hmm. table and some, you know, equipment that I didn't have. And, uh, and then gradually they would get some equipment that no one knew how to use. And so I would sit down and figure out how to use it and then ended up becoming the instructor for it. And mm-hmm. so that's how I fell into instructing at the makerspace. Awesome. What would you say is like your favorite part about being a maker? Oh, probably, probably just kind of taking that idea from your head to your hands or even, or someone else's, just kind of that satisfaction of something that only existed in somebody's head um, that then got put on a napkin or just sketched out, or you just have a conversation with someone and then it becomes something real that you can hold in your hands. And that just feels kind of magical to me to have something that just didn't exist in the world before you dreamed it up and then you're able to you know hold it in your hands it's, it's pretty rewarding I think mm-hmm. definitely would agree there what's your favorite thing about being a mom um well I guess that um I, I thank you for having me on the show because and I've posted this on Instagram a while back. I'm actually a male to female transsexual. And so I feel kind of like an honorary mom because my kids, you know, have their biological mom. She's wonderful. Um, We're best friends. Um, And after I transitioned, we ended up divorcing. Uh, A lot of pressure from her side of the family and, and, and just wasn't kind of what she, you know, had signed up for maybe. (laughs) Um, but we're still best friends. In fact, the little boy that comes to my shop is her son with her new husband. Um, and so we're all still, you know, family. Um, and, but probably the, is, is sharing, sharing that knowledge with my daughters. Um, growing up, I, I loved helping them with their homework and kind of comes back to that kind of teacher thing and uh, and just having them around the shop and i think seeing kids learn something seeing that light come on 
when they discover something new um, for themselves or if you can teach them something, either one. And just seeing that, you know, seeing them become themselves and discover what they like to do or figure something out is, um, is just really interesting to me to just kind of watch kids learn and, and discover. And even now, I mean, if they, you know, are changing their career or whatever, and I just kind of sit back and, and watch them, you know, discover who they are or with their kids. Now I get to see how they interact with their kids. And, um, and so I think it's just kind of getting to be that really, you know, close fly on the wall, watching, watching them grow and change. Mm -hmm. and, um, but I was always, um, I, I transitioned when they were in elementary school and I was like, I'm not going to let this interfere with going in and reading to the class or going mm -hmm. to the Thanksgiving dinner at the school or whatever. And so I've always been really involved with helping out at the school or being a mentor for um, the STEM education stuff or the mm -hmm. Mesa group. And uh, so that's, uh, and so this is kind of, I, I'm kind of, I was kind of nervous about doing your, your show. Right. Um, because I've been asked numerous times to be like in women in engineering or um, women-owned business conferences or to speak at something and I've always just respectfully declined because it's like I don't want, you know, I, I'm here helping out because I like the organization, but if there was that one person that raised a, a stink about, you know, me being transsexual or something, I just don't want it to be an issue. Well, so you can never, I've just never accepted. <laughs> if anything is like, you know, um, you know, maker mom mm -hmm. or, you know, women in something, I've always just said, Oh, I, you know, I'm too busy to, I really can't commit to being on your board or, mm -hmm. or doing that. And, and most people in my life don't even know that I'm mm -hmm. transsexual. And so I've always just kind of sidestepped it and and never gotten involved in any of these, you know, things where people have asked me to to be a part of something that was, you know, female specific. Well, so. I have, I feel very honored that you said yes um, then to my podcast. Yeah. I do appreciate that. And um, well, I kind of wanted to 20, I thought in 2020 I would, yeah. uh, you know, I kind of made this commitment to myself to, to just kind of help out if I can, if there are other people in my situation. Um, mm -hmm. And so many of us, a lot of people don't realize it, but so many of us just go on about our lives. No one knows. Mm -hmm. And then there's no visibility that you can be okay doing this. Right. And so all you see is there's people who aren't okay, who have committed suicide, who have been mm -hmm. murdered, who have struggled. And right. not that I don't have my struggles, but um, I thought, well, this will be a, you know, maybe a something of a success story, role model. Totally, totally agree. And I think, I hope you would know that uh, my podcast is extremely all-inclusive and all about um, people sharing their own stories. So um, well, I appreciate I, I, you sharing yours. Thank you very much. 
Oh, you're welcome. And that's really why I said yes, because you do have a very inclusive mix. And I thought, well, this is a good safe spot. That's right. <laughs> a very good safe spot. Um, and uh, I respect you saying you being an honorary mom, because I understand that relationship there. Um, but in my eyes, you're still a mom. And so you have that parent relationship with your kiddos and well, they're not kiddos anymore. I, I swear I'm going to call my, oh, my adult kids kiddos, even if they're adults, but um, that's perfectly all right. I, yeah. My kiddos are still my kiddos, <laughs> yes. even though they're 20, 23 and 27. <laughs> they'll, they'll always be my, my kiddos. That's right. Um, yeah. What do you think? I mean, besides your fun, your fun story of your, your daughter when she was, you know, 11 or 12 about putting in the, the order and she's been doing that all her life um what do you think they picked up from being at your like office with you um you know seeing you work with your hands even if it's not something they're going to go into like what do you feel they learned from watching you run your own business from watching you you know make things i i think they learned a lot it makes me really proud when they um when they talk about it, you know, when they're doing something hands-on and they're like, oh, I remember when we did this. And so I just knew how to do it. And so lots of stories of, uh, you know, like I had to, you know, I helped my boyfriend change the oil in his car because he had never changed the oil in his car. Or um, my older daughter built a, one of the barnwood walls in her house. And she just Mm -hmm. decided to do it one day. Her husband was out and she was like, I'm just going to, you know, make a, a slat wall in my house and, and just started on it and did it. And they just, they just do it that I don't think they think about it as being out of the ordinary mm-hmm. um, because they were just around it, uh, you know, all the time. And, uh, and with my younger daughter working at the hardware store, she's always telling me, Oh, I, you know, I knew how to do this because we did that. And so this guy came in or this lady came in and asked how to do it. And I was able to help them. And, and so I think they're appreciative of it. And, uh, and my older daughter swore she wasn't going to be an engineer (laughs) because it was like, that's, I'm not going to be like you. I'm not going to be an engineer. And she, but she's just really good at it. And, uh, and she couldn't escape that I guess she she wanted to go into medicine (laughs) Mm -hmm. and a guidance counselor in high school told her if you go into like the hard science you know like chemistry physics you know whatever that'll look good on your resume applying to medical school and so she went off and studied chemistry and uh, applied to medical school um, but then it was about the time she was starting her family and everything and got to kind of thinking, well, maybe, uh, you know, I don't want to dedicate this eight or 10 years of my life to just being gone from my family and is now working as a, as a chemical engineer. And, mm-hmm. you know, and she's still, I don't think, I think she would <laughs> rather be doing something else. Yeah. But she's, she's good at it. Mm-hmm. And so, um you know, it's kind of a nice, a nice fallback. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, but I think, I think she'll eventually go into some kind of more, you know, person interaction, medical type, type mm-hmm. field. Mm-hmm. Do you think, do you think 
I mean, especially since they're, you know, they're grown women now. Do you think they ever step back and or get faced with like, this isn't something quote unquote typical for, you know, girls or women to know to just or to just hop into? Do you think they ever have a moment of hesitancy about that? Or do you think it's like, well, we watched you do it. We know we can do it. And that's just normal. Um, I'm not sure if there was really, um, I, I think they're certainly aware of it, um, probably more um, just because um, of, of my transitioning. And, and so it was something that I was always really aware of and often just chatted with them about, you know, my observations mm-hmm. um, having been, um, having society treated me as a male with all privileges assigned there of, Mm -hmm. and, and then transitioning and, um, and, and other than people that knew me before or my customers who I interacted with before, and no one knew. So then like the whole world treating me as female and everybody that I worked with and, you know, businesses that I went to work for that, you know, after that didn't know me. Um, and so it was just kind of a topic of conversation was kind of that, that difference. And so I think in that respect, we're kind of unique just because we're kind of an experiment in, in <laughs> being on, being on both sides of that. And so I think they have, um, a real awareness of, you know, that a lot of people don't have of, of, of people's biases that mm-hmm. even the people themselves are unaware of. And for right. me, that's always been, you know, really interesting. Um, I enjoyed some of Jess's comments when she was on the show about, <laughs> you know, it's like the, the guy asking for the, right, right. you know, <laughs> if she needed help. Um, standing and watching her tire inflate after she had already, you know, done everything necessary <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to inflate the tire. Um, and, and, you know, just little things like that. Um, people asking you for help, you know, if you need help at the, mm-hmm. you know, when you're at Home Depot or Lowe's or something like that. And so, you know, all of those, uh, you know, heap eating things and, yes. and all that, uh, um, <laughs> that you just learn. And so it's been a, you know, kind of a unique experience where I worked in, you know, the, the two times that I worked for quite some time in, in an engineering field, the first time was as a male, the second time was as a female. And in both cases, you know, no one, no one that I worked with um, knew. So I was treated as a female. In fact, most, many people, among my daughter's friends and teachers and all think I'm their mom Mm -hmm. Um, because I was very involved with at the school and you know and then later as I'm sure you know that they would be like oh that's my other mom right (laughs) and (laughs) yeah you know and so then most people just assumed you know that we were a couple right uh, (laughs) which we were um and so uh you know it's been it's been really interesting to have had a a genuine perspective from both sides 
if so i can i ask more about that because this is the time where i get to have that unique perspective <laughs> on the podcast sure. in the sense especially yeah. uh when you mentioned like the engineering right like you've mm -hmm. you had the experience um uh being recognized male as an engineer and then being recognized female as an engineer and engineering is predominantly still male dominated um so what were what do you think was like some of the biggest differences you felt and and how you were treated in those spaces um i think probably probably two of the biggest differences <clears throat> were um one i already mentioned was kind of that you know not having your voice heard at the conference table or at least mm -hmm. not the first time and and I think that because I had, because I kind of knew what was going on, um, I very quickly adapted mm -hmm. and just would be, you know, sometimes I would just um, wait for someone else to repeat it. And if no one else, you know, if, if some guy in the room didn't repeat my idea, um, I would sometimes find the person that I would most likely to agree with me. And I would just say, you know, you know, kind of like Scott was saying, and then I would say whatever my idea was. Right. And people would be like, oh, now she's just repeating what Scott said. And then it mm -hmm. was okay. Um, and so just kind of quickly picking up, you know, <laughs> some like little tricks of yeah, um, just, a you know, ascribing it to somebody else that mm -hmm. was male in the room was sufficient to have people listen. And then it just kind of stood on the merit of, of the idea depending on if I picked a, the right person that, you know, unless everybody hated right. him. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, Do you, was that frustrating for you at all? Uh, it was a little bit um, frustrating that that's not as frustrating because that it was pretty easy for me to get my ideas across mm -hmm. either on my own merit after I, you know, had presented a few things that worked out. Um, but one of the things that I find frustrating is kind of the patronizing, like you do something very simple and anybody could do it. There's no like special physical strength involved right, or right. anything like that. And, and someone saying, Oh wow, you did that. You know, you're a woman and you did that. And it's like, this weighs two pounds. I had to pick it up. I had to, you know, this, right. this, is, a, this is a hand hand drill. I, you know, right. I, I didn't have to lift weights or anything to pick it up, point it at what I wanted to drill and, and, mm -hmm. and do that. And so I've always, that that's kind of oddly annoying mm -hmm. to me. Um, and the other thing is kind of, that's kind of odd is, is just generally being treated different in that scenario where, like our general manager would go off on a road trip or something and he would bring the women something back. Um, like, <laughs> like, like bringing something back to his, you know, his wives or something, right, right. you know, and it was like, you didn't get something for all of the engineers. You got something for the project manager that's female and you got something for me, you know, and, and I think he was genuinely just, just being nice. And he felt it was like, opening a door being chivalrous but it was just really kind of odd that it's mm -hmm. like oh i brought t-shirts back from this business trip or whatever for for the women in the office mm -hmm. 
Um, well, we're getting close to the, you know, end of our conversation, um, Tanda. So I wanted to uh, give you a chance to shout out where people can follow along with you and see all of the, to me, all the crazy things you're making, because I have no skills in those areas whatsoever. So I am always impressed by what you make. Uh, so I want to make sure other people get to follow along and see these things too. Yeah. Um, I'm probably most active on Instagram and that's at Tanda Madison, T-A-N-D-A Madison. And uh, I have a YouTube channel and it's kind of hit or miss. I've got, I don't know, I've got videos as far back as 2008 and it's been kind of sporadic. And I, I started making them again like three or four weeks ago and I did two. And then I got busy with customer work and I sat down and, and recorded and deleted and recorded and deleted one, the, the, the third one like four times now. And so I'll eventually get brave and, and actually post it. Mm -hmm. um, and is that your YouTube channel? Is that under uh, Tanda Madison? It's also Madison? Tanda Madison. Okay, yes. awesome. Um, well, I'll include the links to all of that in the show notes so everybody can follow along with you. Um, and thanks for um, chatting with me today. Yeah, no, it's been great. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Okay, so that was Tanda of at Tanda Madison on Instagram. As always, I will include links on how you can follow along with her in the show notes. The easiest and best way you can find those is just to follow along with the Maker Mom podcast over on Instagram. That's at Maker Mom podcast. Link in the bio there will take you all sorts of places, including the show notes. Um, another place you can find it too is just to go to the website of my design and make furniture site, which is freemanfurnishings.com. And there up at the top left-hand side, you'll see podcast and that can take you to all the goodies as well. All right. If you are enjoying this podcast, there are a few very simple things you can do to help support it on an ongoing basis. The first and easiest way that you can support the podcast and it costs you nothing is just to make sure that whatever platform you're either listening or watching the podcast on, that you hit that subscribe button. That lets the algorithms of all those uh, different sites know that you are enjoying the podcast and helps bump it up so other people can find it as well. And then if you would go over to iTunes and leave a five-star review, or if you're watching the Wonder Women segments on Wednesdays on YouTube, if you can leave a comment and like down below each of those videos, that also helps the algorithms know that you're enjoying it and lets other people find it much easier. Um, you can also head on over to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Maker Mom Podcast and check out the different tiers where you can do uh, join up with the tribe there. There's a one, three, and five dollar tier level and each of those levels comes with different merch um, and all of them have access to uh, any of the Zoom events that happen or hopefully upcoming live interviews going on that anyone who's a patron would have access to that. And then there is a fairly new uh, $30 tier level, which makes you a sponsor of the podcast for a month. So that is also really super awesome and gets you a little bit more exposure to everyone who listens to the podcast. So you have that option too, Patreon. Now, if you don't want to do Patreon, then you can also just 
buy some merch outright and the Maker Mom tee is up and available at freemanfurnishings.com forward slash shop. You can check out the Maker Mom tee which currently has Mom Squad on the back with the first 65 episodes of Moms listed on the back. Now you can expect to see that design change slightly. Uh, coming up probably in November, December of this year to update and include more women listed on the back. Um, Eventually probably going to have to change that strategy because, hey, podcast is going and we're almost near 100 episodes of just the Maker Mom interviews. And now that we have Wonder Women, we're well over 100. So that list is going to get long quick. All right. So for those of you who have been following along, um, with me at my Freeman Furnishings at Freeman Furnishings on Instagram, you know that the last couple of weeks have been a bit of a whirlwind. Uh, We had a derecho, D-E-R-E-C-H-O, storm come through last week, and basically it's category two hurricane level winds uh, hitting us here in Iowa. We are nowhere near an ocean, um, and there was a lot of damage um, sustained throughout the entire state. 10 million acres of cornfields lost, Um, certain areas had drastic loss of property, homes, um, trees down everywhere, and there is still close to 100,000 people uh, in the state without power. So it has been a rough couple of weeks. Um, That is why there has been some missed um, broadcasting of the podcast because even though I have power, I still do not have internet. So I will be uploading this from the parking lot of the local library. Um, just, I guess I would ask for those of you, uh, just to keep Iowa and Iowans in your thoughts. Um, and know that we're struggling right now and, um, it's just a crazy time of year with COVID and schools coming up and everything. And we're all kind of just tired. So keep us in your thoughts, if you will. Um, but I will do my best, even without internet, to keep putting out podcast episodes every week. Hopefully get back to two times a week next week. All right. Um, it's going into the weekend. I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. Spend time with your families get to make something, get out in the garage, hope to see lots of state of the shop, uh, Saturday and Sunday posts. All right. Until next week, I will see you later. Thank you for listening to the Maker Mom podcast. You can connect with the Maker Mom community and the Facebook group page, Maker Moms. And remember, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please subscribe, leave an awesome review and share this out with other Maker Moms, you know. (music) 